evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, September 21st, 2016. Uh, we've got a great show. It's about dating, confident dating, and we have a fantastic guest. Liz Rave is going to be on, and we're going to bring her on in a few minutes. Let me first just welcome everybody to the show live from New York City, Harlem to be exact. And I've got to tell you, we had another 84-degree day here in New York. It's September 21st, the last day of summer. And it's still summer in New York City. This is the longest, warmest summer that I could ever remember in this city. It has been since it turned July. It has just kept going. August, July was the warmest month on record. In uh, I think in the United States uh, in terms of recorded temperatures and August, I don't know if the stats are in yet, but I got to think it far surpassed July and September. It's been like this the entire month. We had a rain, one rainy day and otherwise it's been warm. It's going to be warm tomorrow. It's going to be warm on Friday. Saturday is going to be maybe about 80 degrees. That's it. But you know, this is really, really lasting and we're getting into fall tomorrow, but People are out there in shorts, tank tops, yoga pants. It's delightful on the eyes as a guy seeing all the beautiful women. And here we are. So I hope you're enjoying it and squeezing the last drops of uh, summer out of summer because it'll change as it always does here in the Northeast. Let's talk about what's going on um, out in the world. So, we know it's going to turn into fall. A lot of things change in the fall. First thing we have in fall is uh, football. And I, I'm a fantasy football proponent. And I guess a lot of our guys who listen to the show out there are into fantasy football. A lot of women also. And this has been a crazy year. There's so much hype for fantasy football. So many people play. In fact, I was, and so much merchandise is sold for the NFL. In fact, I was reading that uh, 35% of NFL merchandise is purchased now by women. And uh, I think it's close to, not quite, but somewhere between 30 and 50 percent of the uh, folks playing fantasy football are uh, females, which is wonderful. So everybody's really into the sport now. It is such a violent sport. When you really pay attention to it, the amount of injuries these poor guys go through, it is a short career. It is it is violent. It is brutal. These guys are big and strong. Who knows what type of drugs that are masks that they're taking to really make them bigger and stronger because once somebody does it and gets away with it, then everybody's got to get away with it. So many violent collisions. Adrian Peterson, who many consider the best running back in the NFL for the past decade, he tore his meniscus the other night. One shot, bang, he's out for the year basically, or at least for four months so for fantasy purposes, he's out. He might be back for the playoffs in regular football. But the guy's 31 years old. This would be the second full season he's missed because of a knee injury. He tore his ACL a couple of years ago. It's just a very, very tough sport. Um, and a lot of other running backs have gone down. And it seems like, uh, you know, the position of wide receiver and quarterbacks have both risen in fantasy circles because – uh, that's where the points are now. Quarterback throws it, wide receiver catches it. It's less violent, there's less collisions. The running backs, they get chewed up and spit out. 
So keep that in mind. I drafted a whole bunch of wide receivers this year. I got a bunch of them, but I also have Adrian Peterson. And I also have Le'Veon Bell of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who for the second year in a row, he's considered probably along with Adrian Peterson, the other best running back. Well, last year he got a drug bust, so he was suspended for two games. And this year he's suspended for three games because he didn't show up for drug testing. I think it was all based on pot, too, last year and this year. So marijuana, you know, when we think about it, and we think about all the good things that marijuana and cannabis does for cancer patients, shrinking cancer tumors, et cetera, why the heck don't they just, you know, allow this to be a medicinal, you know, a medicinal uh, healing agent? Uh, why do we have to keep having this war against marijuana, war against cannabis, it's it grows in the ground. It's natural and it has healing properties. It's so much better than you know a lot. So many of these drugs that the pharma companies put out, and it's natural. And your health is like you know it's the most important thing. And I find as I'm aging, and I just wrote a a blog post on aging. The two posts actually. One is the on my website robertmannymanni.com. The first blog post is about the downside of aging, you know, you can't do exactly what you can do the same way in the same quantities. You can't party as hard. You can't have quite as much sex. You can't as frequently, you need a little bit more rest time. You can't uh, do the same thing sports wise, uh, exactly the same way. You can get close, but you, you have to start to use your brain more than just using your body. And uh, it's not a bad thing. So my second blog post that's posted, it's up on Twitter and Facebook, and you can catch me on Twitter and Facebook and on my website, is about the positive aspects of aging and some of the things you can do. But I got to tell you, most importantly, it's start to get that mind-body connection, meditate, eat an organic diet, uh, take supplements, have smoothies, stop eating meat, don't smoke. Monitor your alcohol consumption, sugar, bad, acidity, bad. And when natural, natural, there's so many natural things, coconut oil, organic coconut oil, good. Apple cider vinegar in water, fantastic for you. Clay, bentonite or pascalite clay in water, cleans out the colon. I've been doing and trying all different types of diets, all different types of things for the last five years. And I got to tell you, I now really can like turn it on and turn it off. The last thing I did was this past August, I like to get, I like to put some type of a regime together prior to September. So I don't have to rush into that busy time of the year between September and the holidays. I want to get myself in tip top shape. So I went on a sugar fast. So I didn't eat anything that is either sugar or can turn into sugar. And I found that, uh, you know, after a week or two, it got, got pretty easy because I started to forget about it. Um, so no jam, no alcohol, no ice cream, no chocolate, no cake, no candy. It sounds horrible. Um, but I did it for a month. I added like glasses of wine and stuff like that in September. But I also cut out uh, all simple star- starches that turn into sugar, no rice, no pasta, no bread, no pizza, no cereal. And uh, I found that that was equally, if not more important, because I didn't feel as bloated. 
I knocked off a good solid 10 pounds and I've kept it off. This is September 21st now. and I still haven't had bread, pizza, pasta, cereal, uh, desserts in, in that time frame. Um, I also had cut out uh, uh, sweet fruits in uh, August. But uh, I found that like if you can monitor your sugar, monitor your da- dairy also, and then monitor your uh, uh, the carbs, breads, pasta, gluten, that you can get yourself detoxed and pretty darn healthy pretty quickly. And you can stay that way and you'll feel youthful and you'll feel full of energy and you'll really, you really feel at your best. So that's what I'm doing now. I do have a sip, sip of tequila now and then and a glass of wine, but otherwise I've been pretty good. I haven't eaten meat in eight, in eight years and I feel fantastic. So it just takes time and you have to, you can't just eat the same foods, you know, with the bacon and the cheeseburgers and the McDonald's and at a certain point, you got to cut that stuff out or you're not going to last that long. It's pretty much as simple as that, unless you have some type of really, really, really sturdy constitution. It's going to get to you because the food we eat, a lot of it is processed, processed meat, chemicals in it. You just have to really be careful on what you consume. And if you do that, you can really manage your health. You can have a lot of power in how your health is. I got to tell you, it really, really works. And also get a good night's sleep, and find some time, to, some quiet time every day to meditate. What else is happening? Very quickly, uh, we had some terror here in New York City. We had an, a couple of explosions uh, on 23rd Street uh, over the weekend. The cops uh, chased that down. Uh, and New Yorkers, as always, were super cool about it. And uh, so fingers crossed that uh, that's being curbed uh, the, the candidates, of course, try to use that, uh, the presidential candidates, for their own platforms. And uh, now I think what's fascinating is that you've got a guy, Donald Trump, who doesn't have any political experience yet. The press, who seemed horrified by him, have really made him. He, television is an advertising medium. Believe me, I come from the advertising world. People watch Donald Trump on TV. Eyeballs means Increased ad revenue, period. So for this past year or so, we've gotten an overdose of Donald Trump and uh, his competition, Hillary. She's not the strongest candidate, um, but uh, you could argue that uh, she's got a lot more experience in government than he does because he has none. And he's scary to a lot of people. But the thing is, the press, who seems horrified by him, they've created this monster. And so they think they think he's a monster. And now they're trying to figure out, now what do we do? Yet every time they have some of his team on the air and all, they let, they let these people just, they're not prepared, and they let these guys or ladies roll over them. And you get more and more Trump. Now we're looking at a very tight, potential tight election, and we've got the first debate coming up next Monday. And <laughs> It's going to be really interesting to see Hillary and Donald Trump on each other for an hour and a half. And the thing that gets me is there's only one moderator. The first one is this guy, Lester Holtz from NBC. But why one moderator? What if he does a lousy job? We should have a panel and we should have follow-up questions where they, you know, they can jump in and challenge, challenge lies and fact check live right there. Why is it just one moderator? It's all on him. What if he does a lousy job? We lose. The whole country has to be relying on one moderator to get the straight answers from these people. It's just absolutely ridiculous with the media. But that's what we're dealing with. 
Last but not least, as I said, I try to do everything to get ready for the fall. Well, I've got a young son, and he's going in pre-K three. And I got to tell you, uh, because I'm in, uh, I'm working at home right now, and I'm working on a new two new books, and uh, so I've been dropping him off at his pre-K. And I got to tell you, three-year-olds, wow, wow, it's just a really interesting age. They're absorbing everything. They get smarter day by day, but it's not easy. My son, I have to uh, schlep him across town on the crosstown bus, and he really doesn't like it. He always wants to seat with the little window. If anybody's there, he goes crazy. So the, little, the stuff like that is really draining when you're, when you're parenting and then getting into class. And invariably, every day, he's like, no school today. I've got to convince him. He's got to put on a little uniform and all. And it's tough. These are three-year-olds. I didn't go to school when I was three, but that's how it is today. Pre-K three in New York City. And it's competitive just to get into these schools. He had to get interviewed at two years old. Interviewed. That's how it is. So we got to be prepared towards our show tonight. You know, the whole Guys Guys brand, if you will, movement started with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love, the tale of two men competing for love, sex, power, and money in the city. It's been called The Male Sex in the City. I'm working on the sequel right now. Uh, you can pick up the book on Amazon, any of the e-tailers. It's in some bookstores still, and it's got sensational reviews. So I hope you enjoy it, The Guy's Guy's Guy to Love. And um, we started Guy's Guy's Radio about close to 200 podcasts ago, and all of our podcasts are available on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. You can listen live. You can call us if you want. You can call in. 347-945-5834 if you want to talk to me or our guest. Um, and uh, we're up to like 200, close to 200 podcasts. And it's all, it's been based on relationships as well as anything relating to life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. And when men and women can be at their best, everybody winning. So we've had some sensational guests on and we've had great support. And it's just more and more. We're booking shows right through the fall and very excited. So tonight's guest, let me tell you a little bit about her. She was on our show a few months ago, and I want to have her back because, first of all, she was really smart and really nice. And she's doing, she's a dating expert, but a relationship expert, but she's, she does things a little bit differently. And, uh, and I really enjoyed my time with her. And I think she's a cool person, too. So it's dating coaches, Liz Rave. Uh, she started out as a dating coach working at the Inner Game magazine. She's the author of Getting Inside a Woman, which I love that name, the newsletter, and has coached men how to be more attractive. Now she writes the Art of Flirting blog, which is on her website, www.artofflirting.com, and she coaches men and women to flirt in a way that authentically expresses themselves and wakes up their sexual vitality so they can create and form and develop and maintain healthy, passionate relationships. Uh, we're going to talk about some dating issues where men kind of mess up open relationships that Liz is a proponent of, and uh, how to date confidently. So without further ado, let me welcome our special guest to Guys Guys Radio, Liz Rave. Good evening, Liz. How are you? Liz, can you hear me? Okay, I don't see Liz on there, so I'm going to ask. I think Liz may have called into the show a few minutes before, a minute or so before I did. So, uh... I think she may have to call back. So I'm going to send her a quick text or a quick Facebook post. 
and we'll see if we can get things going. And the call-in number is 347-945-5834. And I'm going to tell her that you were on before I was. So let's hang in there for a minute. I'm going to tell her to call back. We're going to talk about one of the things I want to talk to her about. Um, oh, she says she's connected through the Internet. So let me do that. Direct connect. Um, let's see how I can do this. Well, she's not there right now. She dropped. And uh, let's see if she'll call back or connect through the Internet. So let me hang in there and uh, we'll take it from there. So we should hear from her momentarily. That's a, a production snafu we had. Let's see if she can call. Four seven nine four five eight three four. So just hang in there, folks. We'll have her on in a second because she's there. I just communicated with her, and uh, here she is. Liz, good evening. Hi. Good evening. Can you hear me now? Uh, yes, I can. Can you hear me? Excellent. Yes. Yeah. I, and can. I apologize because I know you did the direct connect, but I didn't see you. I saw you were on. You had you actually had gotten on the air, like about. 10 seconds before I came on the air. And sometimes that creates a problem if the host isn't mm. on first. So whatever, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll edit this part out anyhow, but um, welcome to the show. And, <laughs> Thank uh, you. Thanks for so, having me back. Oh, my pleasure. And as I, I said in my uh, kind of lead in that, you know, you're an interesting guest and I, I really like your point of view and how you're a little bit different than other dating coaches. So why don't we start with why don't you tell us, our audience, that tell us why you know why you take a little bit of a different tact and how you differentiate yourself from the plethora of dating coaches and relationship experts who are out there. Wow, um, I, I would say there's probably two differences in in what I'm doing that have to do with me personally. Um, well, the first one has to do with me personally, and that is that I'm in an open relationship. And um, I'm in an open marriage, actually. So one of the things that I do when I talk with people, you know, when I coach people, is to help them discover what it is they want, not just in terms of a partner, but actually in terms of a relationship structure. So it's not find your ideal partner, or it's not only find your ideal partner. It's also find an ideal relationship structure that works for you. So some people that I coach want, to get married and have a monogamous marriage and um, you know, that's fine. And then some people want to have three girlfriends or three boyfriends or any combination of something. And that's also fine. So I found that that really opens up a space for people to actually become fulfilled in a way that they might not be if all they were doing was looking for one person. And that's my story as well. I'm married to a really fantastic guy and, uh, he still wasn't enough for me, I guess, <laughs> to have more, more fantastic men. Um, but I, I think, I, you know, I, I think that there are a lot of people that are more fulfilled when, when they feel free to really pursue what they want in an ethical way where, where everything is open mm-hmm. and honest. So let's the first talk thing. about that. Yeah. Let's yeah, dig well, into well, no, that a little bit. That. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not to get personal with you specifically, but just in general, the idea of open relationships and open dating. You know, it seems like, you know, there's so many people have so much trouble just developing a relationship. The thought of opening things up 
um, is a prickly type of super sensitive area where invariably, and I'm sure you experience this, that one partner might be more open to the idea of openness and the other one might not be. And that could get really people can, one of the partners could take it the wrong way. Um, yeah. Let's let me give you, for instance, a lot of, and I'm sure you've heard all of this, um, but a lot of men, you know, they compartmentalize and I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I, I, just bear with me on this. A lot of guys think they can compart or have a double standard and they think that, Oh, well I can do something with another woman and it's, you know, it's just sex. And, and yet, and a lot, and they think about their girlfriends or their wives, like just don't have sex with the guy. Whereas for some women, the, the, uh, the idea, the concept of the emotional intimacy becomes as important as the sexual act for the woman, but guys don't care as I'm generalizing. So a lot of guys mm-hmm. don't care. Well, you can be emotionally, uh, you know, uh, intimate with somebody, but no sex. You have sex. That's that. That's it. The guy can think, I just want to get laid. That's it. I just want to get off. And, and a, a lot of, uh, women will say, you know, you know, that's it. Or they might say, okay, I understand it. He just wants to, to get off or whatever. And, uh, the, but the concept of the emotional intimacy seems like it's more important. That's equally as important for a lot of women where there's a closeness and a, you could say it's a threat to some relationships in that if they are emotionally attached to somebody else, even though they might not be having sex with them. Now, I said a lot of stuff and I did a lot of generalizations and things are changing very rapidly and the whole thing could be flipped around the other way. But I'm sure you've experienced or heard what I've just addressed by, you know, six or seven different people from different angles. So let's talk about kind of what is the kind of, I don't want to say the obvious, it's too big a word, but something that you may have heard before. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you're talking about, is um, the difference, I would say there's, there's a difference between what's called polyamory, which is where you fall in love with more than one person or have relationships with more than one mm-hmm. person, and then being sure. a swinger, which is more about the sex. And you're mm-hmm. not, when you're a swinger, you don't form those emotional connections. And I didn't even realize this until my husband and I started to experiment with this. I didn't even know that they were different, not, not just two different things, but that there's actually... A, a bit of a rivalry is maybe the word like, like swingers will look down on polyamory people and say, well, how could they do that? Because if there's an emotional connection, it's too much. And polyamory people will look at swingers and say, well, how can they do that without the emotional connection? And I would consider myself polyamorous because I form relationships, mm-hmm. but you're, you're talking about two sides of an equation. And I think the mm-hmm. reason why those two camps exist and, within those two camps, there are so many different issues that crop up, like you said, is because it is complicated. And it's complicated when people are not on the same page or when there's jealousy issues that come up, which do come up for everybody. Insecurities, insecurities. Yeah, insecurities and things like that. Because you're playing a different game. You know, it's, it's when you're monogamous, then it's, how do we maintain the monogamy? How do we maintain the passion with each other? And when you open it up for other people, now you have to confront what's, what's really going on with your feelings and with your partner's feelings for other people. 
and you have to incorporate that. And there, it demands that a relationship is of higher quality if it's an open relationship, because mm-hmm. otherwise, why do you stay with that person? Why do you commit to that person if you can do all these other things? There has now, to be communication and there has to be right. that high standard. Now, do you think that um, men and women view, just in broad strokes, view this issue differently for the most part? Or is it like it's all individual? Or are there trends where like, you know, as I had said, like a lot of guys can think they can compartmentalize the sex act, whereas women get in more, there's more of an emotional intimacy change. And I believe, you know, personally that I, I don't, you know, I don't want to really have sex with somebody unless I like them. At least at the very least, I have to kind of like them. I just don't want to just right. have sex with a complete stranger because it's not very, you know, there is an exchange of energy, whatever you do. So you want it to be something where you both kind of feel something about each other. But to backtrack for a second, do you think that men and women generally today think about this issue differently? In my experience, no, it's not really different for men and women. It's more of an individual okay. thing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Different people have different struggles. Some people are into it. You know, some people have get turned on. Like, like there are men who are into being cuckolded. So, so that's mm-hmm. part of it as well. Is that you know, for some couples, they're doing it, and maybe it's more of an exercise in working through insecurities and growing in intimacy. And for others it actually increases the passion and the sex life all around because one partner or another partner might actually be turned on by their partner having sex with somebody, either watching or just knowing that they're having sex or both can be a turn on. So that also I found makes a difference. And that's more of an individual thing. If somebody's turned on by it, they're going to have a very different experience than somebody who's sort of saying, okay, we're going to do this because I recognize what it could mean. And it's an exercise in, emotional health. Um, but if they're not turned on by it, then they're going to have a different experience. Hmm. And it's, beyond that, it's individual. Now, when you, you're coaching somebody uh, who's kind of start like, uh, you know, a lot of people today, it's, it's hard to connect. There's a lot of hooking mm-hmm. up. Oh, they say a lot of millennials don't even want relationships, whatever. People keep pushing off marriages for whatever reason. Yet there's a lot of, you know, men and women over 40 who, who really want to, you know, quote unquote, settle down. How, how do you um, talk about this idea of different types of relationships uh, with people who don't have a relationship? Does that just freak them out where, hey, I don't even have a relationship. How could I possibly think of kind of having an open relationship because it's been so long since I've really even had a relationship to open it up. You know, I would be just afraid of the, of the, the you know, losing everything. Yeah. Most of, yeah. Most of my clients are single, so they're not really looking for a relationship that they're going to open up, but mm-hmm. it is an exercise in self discovery just to know what a preference might be. So a lot of times what a goal that a, a client might set is that this is probably the most common goal that I get from my clients is that they want some dating experience because they're single mm-hmm. and they don't feel like mm-hmm. very confident in their ability to just go out and navigate that scene. And so they don't want to have a, a monogamous relationship right away. They want to get some experience. Sure. And then through that experience, they do want to find a relationship that is monogamous or is going to be open at some point, but it still is going to be the main 
relationship. And, you know, at that point, they're usually not working with me anymore. They've usually moved on from the coaching. So I'm not really coaching people through open relationships, but I found that the discussion about it helps people to look at dating in a different way than, um, than if they were just focused on this is the one thing I can get and there's nothing else I can get. So there's something very freeing in just knowing that you have options. And, you know, even if you're still going to follow a certain path, it's just about knowing that you have options. And that's what I have found with my clients is they say, you know what, maybe years from now I'll have three girlfriends or whatever it is. But our focus is still more on the dating aspect of it mm-hmm. and finding a girlfriend. Now, in terms of this, like op- and the concept of openness, do you ever find that like a guy, you know, the guys come into it and all singles and the guy comes in and says, sure, I would like to have three different women that I date and have sex with. And the woman would say, I'd like to have three different men. And one of them I have sex with, he's the bad boy. And then I have my kind of gay friend for lunch. And then I have my intellectual friend uh, that I can talk to about whatever. And then I have my worker, you know, coworker and all of that. And it's bucketed out a little bit differently. Or do mm-hmm. you, again, think it's like exactly the same? Because I, I, you know, just from my own grandmother research, talking to people, I always, I haven't found any guys who would, if I said, you want to have three different girlfriends, you can just have sex with all the time. They'd probably, most of them would say, yeah. Yet the women are interested in a variety of different guys, but for different purposes. It's not all like, I need five different guys to have sex with. Yeah. I, in my experience, it is more of an individual thing and I'm, I mostly coach men too. So, um, you know, mostly I'm hearing from men and, and of the men that I work with, it's actually quite a range. You know, some of the men, they, they want a monogamous marriage and they want kids and that's what they're looking for. And, and a lot of those guys have never been married um, or maybe they were married mm-hmm. one time and they want to be married again. But, you know, then on the other side of that, you have men who, like you said, they want to date three women and they want it to be more casual. And, mm-hmm. you know, my philosophy is whatever you want, as long as it's safe, sane, consensual, everybody's an mm-hmm. adult, everybody knows what's going on, nothing's being misrepresented, that, that that's okay. And that, that really is the philosophy that I come with. So, um, so I'm not really noticing a lot of things in particular where like men are wanting one thing and women are wanting another thing. Mm-hmm. When I, when I see people, it's, it's very individualized. And when I, when I've gotten to know people who are in the polyamorous community, because that is one thing about being polyamorous is you do get into a community of couples and single people who are exploring the lifestyle that it's, mm-hmm. it's also there as well. And there, there is more of a balance of men and women it, in my experience that, you know, there are some women that they're a lot more interested in dating and having variety than their male partners. And in some cases, it's the other way around. And I do think that there are some people, men and women, who do what you're describing, where it's not, they're not really wanting a lot of sexual variety. It's more like they want a variety of relationship and they get Mm -hmm. different different ingredients, different relationship ingredients from different relationships. So if somebody comes to Liz Rave and says, I want to work with her as a dating coach, tell us about how that process works for you as much as you can share. Yeah, sure. Um, 
Well, one of the things that I focus on is who are you um, authentically and how do you express that in a way that is really going to attract the right people to you? And one of my philosophies is that you're looking for what you want. You're not looking to be somebody that is going to get the attention of everybody, which is more difficult. You know, I think sometimes that's very appealing. Like I want to walk down the street and be like James Bond and just have, you know, I could get any woman I want, but it's not realistic because everybody's different and everybody has their own individual preferences. But -hmm. there is a way to, this is why I spend time with people figuring out what they want. I say, okay, you know what, if you want a a girlfriend, you know, if I'm talking to a male client, I say, you want a girlfriend that's that's like this and describes certain qualities then what do we need to do so that that woman, when she meets you, she's going to be really attracted to you. And that when you meet her, when you meet women like this, it's going to be natural. It's one of the things that I've heard from people is just how much of a struggle dating is. So a lot of the coaching I do is just to take the struggle out of it, especially because you're busy with life and you don't have time to be going out to events and going online. If it's not going to be fruitful, if it's not going to lead to, fulfilling connections and fulfilling relationships. So that's a lot of it is just taking the struggle and work, the unnecessary junk out of the process and having it be very focused on how do you show up so that you get what you want. So how I'd like to know a little bit more of that. I'm sure our listeners would, but also, you know, how important is the aspect that it sounds like you, it sounds like you want the person peel the layers away so the person can be their best self and it's yes. about authenticity. So how do you, what's the problem where people, are they overthinking things? Are they too busy? Is authenticity and self-awareness and mindfulness a, an, an issue because of everybody's got monkey chatter going on or, or is it not an issue? Uh, well, I think it is an issue and I think it is an issue for the, the monkey chatter, like, like you say. And I think also we are, in particular right now, I think living in a time where everybody's very concerned about their self-image. And um, and this is probably one of the major things that I work with is how do you separate that desire to be seen a certain way, to look a certain way? And this can even show up in the kind of people that somebody's wanting to attract. You know, they want somebody that looks good on their arm, but they're not necessarily paying attention to is there an actual connection? Is there actual chemistry that by itself mm-hmm. can cause problems because if there's no chemistry, there's no chemistry, right? right so, exactly. so it's that kind of thing. It's, it's, we've gotten very obsessed with how things look and how we look, um, mm-hmm. especially with social media, I think it contributes to that. And so what happens is people have disconnected from what it's like to meet somebody and have some kind of chemical connection with them and a compatibility with them where it's happening naturally and everybody's Mm -hmm. doing a little bit of performance art when they're out trying to meet people. You know, I got to put on my show and then look for the person who's putting on a show that I like, and that doesn't lead to connection. So then people come home and they're disappointed. Oh, I didn't meet anyone I liked. I didn't meet anyone I had chemistry with because they, they weren't looking at it in a way that would actually allow for chemistry is when you know and understand chemistry and flirting, and I'm not talking about the biological chemistry because we're not really mm-hmm. in control of that, but I'm talking about the kind of compatibility when you ha- have an emotional connection with somebody. 
So that's flirting. Talk, so when you're when you're doing that, mm-hmm. yeah, go I'll ahead. Go ahead. Let's talk about flirting because you're you know your blog is a, a artofflirting.com and I think that's so critical. And uh, let me throw some thoughts at you and see what uh, your take is on it. It sure. seems to me you know there's a lot of people and particularly women over 40 who are like you know they they want to you know succeed in the dating game and. They're like freaked out because like, okay, you know, I'm 40 or over and like these other younger women and this and that. Yet I, I think there's a lot of advantages for people who are 40 and over because they come from a generation where it was before, in some cases before cell phones, but, and you know, the internet was around 1994 um, where people met more organically and the social media as you know, with technology, you know, there's the good, the bad, and the, and the, and the oh, my God. There's, there's an efficiency <laughs> to it. And, you know, mm-hmm. now people don't call. Like, it's, it's all texting. And uh, But I think, you know, some of the uh, – I, I find, like, when I talk to people, just talking to them, that I find that, you know, if I'm talking to – I'm standing online, I'll chat up a woman just, you know, just as a as human being. I find there seems to be more of a uh, – relaxation of just having a conversation with somebody who has a little bit more life experience um, that the millennials in some aspects have a little bit more challenges in terms of interpersonal kind of social skills because they, between hanging out as a group, as a form of dating and texting and social media and all of that, it's, they haven't had the opportunity polish those old school skills thoughts yeah I would say there's some truth to that and I I think it's difficult because I don't think we're going to be able to end the technology or turn the clock back on it absolutely so you know I used to teach more meeting in person and less meeting online and more recently Mm -hmm. I've started to do more stuff with the online because so much of dating is moving online that mm-hmm. it's just part of it. And when I opened my marriage, I dated online exclusively. And that's partly because when you're in an open marriage, you do need to self-select for other for people who are okay with that and who are interested in the same thing. And it's a little harder to do that when you're meeting people on the street. Um, you know, somebody sees me with my wedding ring on, they're not really going to necessarily assume that I'm available. But if I have a, a profile that says I'm in an open marriage, they know that I'm available. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it too. Right, right, right. So but you're also right just out. with the technology, yeah, it it is, um, it is going online. Uh, everything's going online, so it would make sense that dating would be going online too. Well, let me throw something at you then. Uh, here's a downside of some of that, um, and it's there, and it's going to keep going. But like, you have some 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 things kind of get turned upside down. For instance, you know, like dick pics. Like young guys send dick pics. Old guys mm-hmm. don't send dick pics out for the most part, except if you're Anthony Weiner or whatever. And I don't even know if he does. But it's like that would be for me. It'd be like if I was talking to a woman I just met on the street and I pulled my pants down. It's like what? I'm like you sending a picture of your dick to a woman. Like what? What? What kind of way of ingratiating? It's like going, hey, baby, on the street and hoping that mm-hmm. you're going to get a reaction. It's like, it's like so lame. I mean, what's your, what's your take on that? And how do you advise guys who think that, I mean, unless the women are saying, send me your dick, send me a, your dick pic so I can have a good laugh, or they probably show their girlfriends or whatever. But what's yeah. that all about? 
What, what's, what's the deal with that? Well, you know, first of all, I have Nobody to say, can get turned, I, have, can't get turned I know on well, I've, I've never, I've thing? never actually had, first of all, I haven't gotten dick pics and um, maybe I'm just lucky or I'm, I'm self-selecting somehow, but um, none of my clients think that that's a good idea. I've never had someone, I've never had to tell someone don't do that. So I'm okay. with you. I don't that's know who's reassuring. doing that. <laughs> I don't know who's doing that. None of my male friends do that. Um, I don't know any guy that thinks that's a good idea. I know it happens and I'm with you. I don't know who's doing that. Cause even the men that I coach who are struggling, they, they are aware enough that that is not what they should be doing. So yeah, don't, okay. don't really know what's going on with that other than right. maybe some laziness, but that would just be my guess. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no storytelling behind it. I mean, I mean, I was dating somebody uh, when I was single and she sent me, I said, send me some pictures. Just as, I didn't say dirty pictures. And she sent me pictures like, uh, like these kind of very creative shots of her with not much on, but it wasn't like laying on the bed with lingerie and they were cropped in different ways. And it was, and it was no, like, you know, she wasn't showing her uh, goodies or anything, but it was so sexy that it was like, wow, that's really creative. And what mm-hmm. she did, and she just shut me down by doing that. And like, wow, now of me, if I sent her, like, I'm not going to send her a picture of my penis because it's just like it's a body part, it's just like sitting there, unless I could put it into some type of story, which I figured, like, I'm not going to, I'd forget it. <laughs> Why bother? And it just seems like I just, I still, I, I, I don't get it. So, all right, I'm getting off track here. Any thoughts on that before we move along? Uh, no, let's, we can move on. Okay. Um, what are the, now you say you're, you're advising clients more online versus offline. So what have you noticed as the changes in kind of online dating behavior in the last five years, besides that there's more of it. And it's like, you know, yeah. if you're dating, if you're single and you're, over 40, you have to go online because you have a busy life. You got to manage things and you, you have to do it. When I, when I, I met my wife, she winked at me on match.com. We went out once and that was the end of it. She had a free trial membership for three days. I was the only person she met. And we ended up getting married. Talk about <laughs> lucky hitting a you know, yeah. the jackpot, but it's like, my goodness. Um, but now, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, I noticed cause I had been online dating for about two, three years on and off. And I found that there was so many people who went online to date who had no idea what they were doing or they were just testing the water. And like, they were, it was kind of wasting. Like, I don't want to be your, if somebody said, you're the first person I've met online, I would roll my eyes to myself and think, Oh no, because this is just going to be a waste of time. And nine out of 10 cases it was except for, except for my wife. But what have you noticed about the changes in online dating behavior, uh, if anything, besides just the quantity of people who are now dating online? Yeah, definitely the quantity. I would say because of the quantity, the, the, the quality has changed. Um, You know, online used to be, when online dating started, it was, I think, looked, looked at more like the classifieds in Mm -hmm. newspapers and magazines. And it was, it was, it had a stigma of, you know, this is what you do because you can't meet somebody in person. And I think that that has changed quite a bit where now this is just what you're doing. Because, like I said, because everything's going online. 
and people go mm-hmm. on Amazon and they order toilet paper and then they go online and they find a date <laughs> and exactly. it's all done on the computer. And, mm-hmm. and so I think phone. that a lot of, yeah, or, or the phone. And so a lot of the stigma has, has been removed from online dating because it's become popular. And because of that, um, I think that just the way people interact and what they expect and the kind of people you find are going to be different because now pretty much everyone is going to have some kind of profile or they will have tried something, even if they're not that into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other thing is I think people have gotten a lot more um, savvy about how to do it in a systematized way. A lot of people, they're not, they're, they're not really on there going, Oh, what am I supposed to do? It's more like, you know, at least people that have, have been doing it somewhat successfully, mm-hmm. I think they have somewhat of a systematized approach and I have a systematized approach and a lot of other dating coaches will teach systematized approaches, but a lot of mm-hmm. people will come up with their own too, of just, this is what I do. This is how I reach out to people. These are the kinds of messages I write. Um, especially if mm-hmm. you're a guy and you're not receiving so many messages because men don't receive as many messages as women, Sure. that there is a systematic approach that a lot of people will take. Whether or not it works, that's a different story. But most people will go through a lot of people very quickly. And um, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think that can, that can be great for filtering out right away. But you know, it's interesting. Okay. Uh, I do a, uh, I'm part of a panel, uh, kind of a he says, she says type of thing on Cupid's Pulse, which is a great relationship website and uh, they send me a question every month and invariably the questions are about online and like how do I know how do I screen people out and like this guy you know it's it's all about online behavior and I'm just wondering what are like three nuggets that you would share in terms of how daters singles can kind of things they need to be uh, cognitive of when they're doing when they're dating online yeah. Um, probably one nugget because it gets different for men and women, but I would say sure. one, one nugget that would be universal is not to expect to experience a lot of strong feelings of attraction through an online dating website and to be a little bit more pragmatic about things and to be looking at profiles and pictures and deciding, is this somebody that, I, I think I would have something in common with, and you're using more of the logical brain, which you're not really doing. Like if you've met someone in person, there's an energy, there's emotion right. and mm-hmm. there's attraction that can happen right away. There's a lot of animal instinct that goes into that, but a lot of biology, but you don't have that. You don't have all of that through the computer, but what you do have is the ability to, to look and see, is this person local enough or am I willing to travel? You know, do, do I like what they have to say? Do I like their attitude? Uh, a lot of profiles that are written very negatively. I think that's a red flag. You know, when somebody has their whole profile is a long list of here's what I don't want. Was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, although I think it's more of a red flag with someone who's younger. Um, if someone is, is like in their fifties or sixties and they're doing that, it's actually less of a red flag because a lot of the people there, um, and I, I just, I've known people who have profiles that are sort of like that, but then I've met them in person and they're actually very nice. And I think it's more just a function of less familiar with online, but if you see someone in their twenties right. and thirties and they have the long negative list, 
you know. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they probably know better about how online works and they just are that negative. So that would be a red flag, you know, but that, that would be the first thing is just look at the profile or, or yeah, look at the profile, look at the pictures. Don't look at the pictures to decide whether or not you're attracted to them. Cause you won't really know unless you meet them, but look at the pictures to decide, does this somebody, is this somebody who looks like they're fun? Um, mm-hmm. Can they smile? Because some people have profiles where they're not smiling. That's true. And some men put up, profile pictures where they have one picture and they're staring at the camera like it's a mugshot <laughs> and they're serial killer and you know what they need to smile <laughs> or it's not going to happen so right. that that's what I would say about online dating is is be more okay. pragmatic about it and then when you meet people you know when you message people and you have something in common with them and you meet them in person you, you know you decide you want to meet that person for coffee when you're at coffee, that's when you'll know, am I attracted mm-hmm. to this person or not? That's when you'll fi- feel the chemistry. A lot of people right. think they're going to feel it while they're staring at a computer. They don't. No. And then they get disappointed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two, uh, let me give you two more uh, topics. They both start with a T. The first is Tinder and other apps. And I, I don't want to criticize or take judgments on that specific app, but apps and um methodologies, digital methodologies, where you're kind of uh, meeting on the go, where you can go places and like pick somebody up. What's your advice on how to, how to manage that? So, you know, it doesn't get out of hand. Uh, What do you mean by getting out of hand? Well, like this too, you know, where every time you go out, you like see who's in the, in the restaurant or the bar, and then you, you know, try to hit on somebody or whatever. I mean, how do you manage it? Let me, let me rephrase it. Let me walk back and rephrase it. How do you manage Tinder? So, um, it, it, yeah, I guess it doesn't get out of hand where you can't go out without, you know, using that app and that becomes your sole. It becomes like you're just shark in the water. I know it's alive and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's uh, real time, but are there any drawbacks to that? So you mean if someone is using Tinder sort of addictively, like they're always going yeah. out and looking for people yeah. nearby with yeah. it. And that's the only um, way they're, you know, that's the only way they're meeting new people is, is by through Tinder or something or other apps that are similar. Yeah. I actually don't have uh, experience coaching anyone like that. or I don't really know anyone like that. I, I do have clients that use Tinder, but they're using it similarly to how they would do an online dating site. And I have not personally used the apps. So Mm -hmm. I actually have less familiar, less familiarity with that. Um, So I I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, yeah, I I don't, I don't really know anyone is having an issue with Tinder like that. All right. I actually have two more questions. So forgive me. Um, Cause I yeah, wanted yeah, the one question I had to ask is at the very end, but let's go to this one. Texting. I find a lot of people and I get it in some of my monthly questions where like the women are having a hard time getting guys to not just text them, asking them mm-hmm. out, talking to them after they're like, you know, they're kind of dating, but he only gets in touch with me through text. And like, yeah, I know that, you know, people are busy and all of that, but it's like, geez, like pick up the phone and like, let the woman hear your voice. Like, I mean, it's like, seems so obvious, but it's not because things have changed. So what do yeah. you, do you experience that in terms of a lot of the guys are like, they just communicate with women, new women and women they're dating just via text. Well, I've actually talked with a lot of guys and coached a lot of guys who 
have that complaint who say that they can't get women to pick up the phone and the women are always wanting to text. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think again, it, it really depends on the person because some people would prefer to text and it's not having an issue. So I think that if you are wanting there to be a phone call, then Mm -hmm. you make a phone call (laughs) as a guy or as a woman, you know, you can make Mm -hmm. a phone call. And if you've been dating for a little while, so there's a point in dating where you're getting to know each other, but then there's a point where things become established enough that you can have conversations mm-hmm. with somebody, you know, after I would say a couple months or so of, of dating each other, seeing each other somewhat regularly, you do get right. into a different stage of relationship where you want to be communicating your wants and needs with somebody. So mm-hmm. I would say once past that initial phase, if you're, Want, you know, if you're dating a guy, you want him to be calling you and all he's doing is texting you, then you would just have a conversation. Hey, I, I know text is convenient for logistics. And I would also love it if you'd pick up the phone and talk with me at, at you know, sometimes mm-hmm. just relationship communication. Okay. Uh, yeah. Last question. And that's, this is about the whole open relationship thing. And I know you're involved. So you're the expert on that. Ha, what is the, what is the real key to, to, being successful and having an open relationship because there's so many potential minefields and uh, pitfalls that can like, you know, can really trip things up. What, what is the real key to having a success in an open relationship? Well, what I would say, and this is just from my own relationship and from observing other relationships, other polyamorous relationships mm-hmm. is there's probably two things I've noticed that, that have the good ones last, you know, the ones mm-hmm. that grow strong um, from doing that. And the first one is just, there really is a need for effective communication and, mm-hmm. and a need for everything to be out in the open. And a lot of couples will have rules, you know, so every couple creates their own rules and their own agreements and you have to mm-hmm. keep those agreements and communicate about them. And there's a lot of agreements about communication. Like my husband and I have an agreement where we don't keep secrets. So if he, he's out of the house right now, and I don't think he's going to do this, but if he happened to sleep with somebody in the next 15 minutes before he comes home, you know, he would have to say something to me. He can't just walk in and, oh, yeah, that was nice. I went to the store. I did this. You know, he can't not say it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he, if, he, if he keeps it a secret, then that would be actually kind of infidelity, just like you can have mm-hmm. in a monogamous relationship. So that would be the first thing is that communication. And the second thing that I've noticed is that there is a willingness to figure out what works for people and a a willingness to favor what actually works for the individuals involved over fitting into some kind of societal idea of what should be happening. You know, so, so there's communicating about individual needs and there's also an honoring of individual needs and the other person. Um, a lot of people who are in open relationships are also interested in experimenting with um, different kinds of kink or different kinds of, you know, threesomes or whatever. Sure. And a lot of that starts with just the willingness to, to be open. And, mm-hmm. I, and so I do think that there's just an openness that lends itself to having healthy relationships. Got it. Okay. That's a fantastic. Great answer and great interview. So, uh, thank you very much. uh, Oh, my pleasure. Um, and thank you so much for being on the show. Are you really interesting and you have a 
unique point of view, and I really respect it and respect you. So please tell our uh, listeners where they can find out more about you, Liz, and the programs you offer, and uh, we'll just take it from there. Yeah, thank you. Um, my website is artofflirting.com, www.artofflirting.com. I have a blog there with lots of free articles and resources that you can check out, um, newsletter, free newsletter that you can sign up for. I do one-on-one coaching, and I do a class for men called Confident Dating. Um, I don't have any openings in that right now because I'm in the middle of it, but I'm planning on doing another one at the beginning of next year, and that's a workshop all about how to just get really good at dating and really confident in your ability to date. So if that's interesting to you and you want to hop in the next one that's going to be January, February, early 2017, get on my newsletter, and you'll get information about that. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can find me. Okay, great. Uh, a suggestion? You should uh, write a book about how to succeed in an open relationship. I don't think any, anybody's ever done it. And you seem to have a really good uh, uh, a really good grip on it. I don't mean a tight grip on it, but a, a really uh, mindful grip on it. And I think Thank you could you. help a lot of people. Yeah, I think, uh, I think a book about that is definitely in my future. So I appreciate good. the suggestion. All right, well. Keep me posted and let's stay in touch. And again, thanks so much, Liz, for being on the Guys Guys Radio. You help our audience out and uh, very interesting. And I, I enjoy knowing you. And thank you. Yeah, thank you. This was really fun. Thanks for having me back. You got it. All right. Take care. Okay, folks, that's our show for this evening. Again, our guest, our special guest has been Liz Rave. Check her out at uh, artofflirting.com. And um, we're going to be back next Tuesday, actually. The next two Tuesdays, we're going to have shows. We're going to have two different guy dating experts and coaches, uh, Hunt Etheridge and then David Wygant. And uh, so that should be fun to get the kind of the male point of view. And that'll be next Tuesday. We have uh, Hunt. And then uh, the following Tuesday, we have David. And then we got a lot of other guests booked through the fall. And we're hoping you stick with us and support us. And thanks so much. So uh, listen, fall's coming. Uh, fall equinox, I think it's tonight. So enjoy your. It's tonight or tomorrow. So enjoy yourself. Get ready for the new season. And, uh, and uh, remember that what I always say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>